following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody say you asked for it. You got it. All right, how's everybody? Lord, this feels strange. I'm in a pulpit. They've taken it away from me. Get them out of my life. I'm ready to preach the gospel. Good to see everybody. How y'all doing tonight? Everybody good? Everybody good? Come on, everybody good? I pulled my wedding band off tonight because I, uh, I've lost some weight in my fingers. I wished I'd lost some weight someplace else. But I've lost it in my fingers, so I'm afraid if I throw my left hand, I might hit you in the head with a wedding band. So I'm still married to Patty. I want everybody to know that, and we're in love. Now, last Tuesday night, uh, we had communion before Thanksgiving, and there's some things that I shared last Tuesday night, and I, I kind of want to share them a little bit here with you tonight before I minister. Uh, I'm talking about the blessings of 2018. We've had exponential growth this year. Say amen to that. Amen. 1,484 first-time guests. A hundred, folks, 175 first-time guests that registered with us the last four Sundays of this series at the movies. 175 first-time guests. You know, the message never changes, but the method sometimes needs to change. And we're reaching some people for the very first time. 180 went through start here this year, 279 baptized so far. We got another baptism coming. Over 100 received the Holy Spirit here this year, evidenced by speaking in tongues. Over 40 in the last few Sundays have fresh starts in their journey of faith. The Dream Team added 116 people this year up in attendance. Our average is up well over 250, pushed to 300. Our Sunday school department was running about 240, 250 the first of the year. They're running 350 to 360 every Sunday now over next door. The third service has blown up. They're like, like the Michelin tire boy. They're just bloated. They're blowed up. That, amen. The life groups are up. Continuum is up con- uh, tremendously. And the last eight Sundays, over 320 average in our Sunday school next door. The image group has 130 to 150 present every Wednesday night. And when he does something big, they have over 200 people. Our TNT Academy with Pamela Barnett. Has 30 kids this year versus six kids last year. And our goal is to get 180, 200 kids. And we're going to do it in the name of the Lord. Amen. The Infuse program that you hear singing and all that kind of stuff. And the ushers and the, and the parking lot attendants and all the things that happen. They have double this year. The chapel will be finished by years in and we'll be dedicating it. 21 days of prayer started this year off. Do you remember that? 21 days of prayer. We're going to do it again in January. You in favor of that? Say aye. Amen. Amen. And five days during the Holy Week, we prayed again. We've got a mission trip planned for next year, a youth troop to Haiti this next year, next spring, and the building permit is coming Friday. I thought you might like that. Would you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. Everybody enjoy Thanksgiving? Now, I, I want to, we're going to probably take a poll from you when this thing's all over, but I know it's church a different way, but it's all right. You know, some people have a hard time with change, 
But I think change is good from time to time. I really do. I think you ought to part your hair on the other side sometime. So I did that tonight. I parted on this side instead of this side. And uh, can you tell the difference? All right. But I think change is good. I think it's incredible to have change. Just sameness all the time. You get in a rut of this thing called life. But we have decided just to kind of change it up. And I think these four stories that we have shown the first four weeks have just been in, 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 in a blessing to us. They've just been awesome. And I, I've loved them. I really, truly enjoyed last Sunday talking about getting past your past and getting into a present and letting God give you a future. What a joy that is. And I'm warming up because I hadn't preached in so long. I hope my words don't get tangled up in my mouth, and they are already. But I, I just feel confident that this Sunday we'll end it and uh, we'll start then our, our, our Christmas uh, season in December and pastor will be ministering and I'm so happy Brad walked up to me pastor Brad walked to me they said you getting a little itchy and I said I am and I don't know how long I'll preach tonight but I'll preach long enough to get you ready to get out of here <laughs> amen I turned to brother Tom Cook tonight when everybody seemed like there was a spirit around this altar tonight that was just incredible and I know the prayer partners felt it and I know you felt it the Holy Ghost was ministering in this altar here tonight the Holy Ghost was ministering in this altar here tonight and uh, I told Brother Tom Cook, I said, I feel like having a healing line here tonight. Amen. I feel like just seeing what God can do. I don't know if I'll have it. God will probably change my mind before I get there. But I feel good. And I feel like God wants to do something great in your life tonight. I really, really do. I don't think we come to church for no reason at all. I think we come to church on purpose for a reason. Amen. Amen. Patty sends her love. She can't be here tonight. She's having a procedure tomorrow, so she's home tonight. So say a prayer for her. We've got a little health problem with her, but God's going to help her, and she's going to be all right. Amen. Say amen to that. So tonight, uh, you asked for it. I told you it was coming. I wanted to save it for this night. We're going to talk about knowing what you need to know. There's some things you just need to know that you know. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. There's just some things you need to know in life. And I feel very confident that God's going to give us something here tonight to touch your heart and to tap your spirit and to turn your life toward home because I want everybody in this church that's here tonight and comes on Sunday to go to heaven. I want everybody to go to heaven. I don't want a person to be lost. There's nobody that I dislike so much that I want you to go to hell. I want everybody to be saved in this house. I want 100% to present to the Lord one day and say, Lord, I brought them home to you. That's what I want. That's what I desire. There's no pastor worth his salt that wants anybody to be lost. Everybody needs to be saved in Jesus' name. Amen? Everybody. Everybody. So we're going to talk a little bit tonight. We're not going to hold you long. Seriously, turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor preach and you may be seated. I heard about a little boy who was standing by the side of the road and a man came by who was lost. And he said to the little boy, son, do you know how to get to town? The little boy said, nope. He said, do you know where Route 20 is? He said, nope. He said, do you know where this road goes? He said, nope. Do you know what the name of this street is? He said, nope. Finally, exasperated, the man said, boy, you don't know anything, do you? The little boy said, I know I ain't lost, sir. (laughs) 
He may not know the name of the street, but he knew where Mama's biscuits were, I'll tell you. Billy Graham was in a certain town years ago, and he wanted to mail a letter, true story, but he had no idea where the post office was. So he stopped a, a kid walking the street and asked him if he could direct him to the nearest post office. And the little boy said, well, yes, sir. You go down to this red light down here, turn right. Go two blocks to the second red light and turn left. Go one block and turn back to the right, and you'll be right there. Billy Graham thanked him and said, son, if you'll come to the convention center this evening, you can hear me telling everybody how to get to heaven. The little boy said, well, I don't think I'll be there, mister. You don't even know your way to the post office. <laughs> All <laughs> Billy told that on himself. All of us, from time to time, wonder. We just wonder. Because we surely don't want to miss that day. That day. Whether it's rapture time or whether it's time that God calls us personally home, we don't want to miss that day. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a British preacher who began his ministry as a 19-year-old young man in 1854 in England and remained in the same pastor until the day he died at the age of 57. He was, to put it mildly, a phenomenon. He was the Michael Jordan, the Babe Ruth, the Tiger Woods, all wrapped up in one in pastors. He was that kind of pastor. Long before the mega church ever came, he preached 6,000 people every service. In fact, he couldn't build or find buildings large enough to hold the masses that wanted to come to hear him speak. And when he was only 27 years old, he preached to 24,000 people at the Crystal Palace without amplification. And one Sunday, he asked the members of his church to not attend the following Sunday so newcomers could find a seat in that church. And one day he asked the entire congregation toward the end of the service to please leave as quickly as possible so that newcomers waiting outside could get in. The newcomers that came in filled every seat in the building. His messages were printed in newspaper all over the world. Single copies of his sermons were selling up to 25,000 a week. His collected sermon filled 63 thick volumes, the largest set of books by a single author in the history of Christianity. I'd like to tell you I have those volumes and know they're not to be loaned out. And I love to read them. There's no question if you ask evangelical pastors who was the greatest preacher since biblical times, Spurgeon would win hands down. And you would think that this great man of God who had an unbelievable impact on millions of people for decades and decades would never doubt that he was a Christian. Never doubt it. The very height of his spiritual power and popularity, though, he wrote these words in his autobiography, and they're very sad. He said, I felt at that time very weary and very sad and very heavy at heart. And I began to doubt in my own mind whether I really enjoyed the things which I preached to others. This is an important issue. It really is. Elijah sat under a juniper tree and wanted to die. And right after Carmel's victory, he went to that juniper tree and wanted to die over false prophets and over a woman that wanted his life. Over 85% of all Americans believe in God and 70% believe that there is a heaven. That's, that's a high number. It's higher than Donald Trump's popularity right now. And if there's a God to believe in and a heaven to go to, then life's greatest question has to be, can I know for sure that when I die, I am going to heaven? Believe it or not, a lot of people who are going to heaven really are not sure. My dad lived for God a long, long time, and my mom lived for God a long, long time, 
but they had fear in their life, their whole life, in their walk with God. And after my dad, a great man, a man that I honor and admire, even this Christmas, this will be the eighth year that I'll be without him. My mom asked me one day, a man that loved God in a church and a family and he loved the lost, here was her question. She said, son, do you think your dad made it? See, the church suffers from what a great illness today that I call ADD. It's called assurance deficit disorder. We have a problem with assurance. We don't understand if we really are going to make it. There are millions of people who have done everything God requires in order to be a part of his family to go to heaven. And yet if you ask them if they are going to heaven, they say, I think so. I feel like I am. I certainly hope I will. But I heard about a man one day that was going door to door trying to share Jesus. And he knocked on one door and a man came to the door and he said, sir, are you saved? The man said, I am. He said, how do you know you are, sir? And he said, because I was there when it happened. <laughs> I mean, I remember you were there when it happened. Come on. He was there when it happened. You know, if I preach real good tonight, some of you are going to get on your feet because I got something to say tonight. I want you to leave here tonight whipping a bear with a switch. You hear me? I don't want hell to destroy your minds any longer. It's time to stand up and say it's enough. I'm on my way to heaven and the journey is getting sweeter every day. Amen. There are two things I have learned about what people know. Number one, first, we all know things that really aren't worth knowing. They're really not. Teacher one day was teaching a math class in her third grade class and she asked a little boy named William the question, what is three-fourths of five-sixteenths? And the little boy thought for a moment, and then he said, well, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not enough to worry about. <laughs> we all know things that are not worth worrying about. Someone, something else we know, number two, that nobody can know everything. A census taker knocked on the door of an old backwood shack up in the hills of Kentucky. And in the middle of nowhere, an old timer came to the door and asked the man what he wanted. And the census taker said, well, the president has sent us across the country to find out exactly how many people live in the United States. And the hillbilly said, well, Sonny, I'm sorry you came all this way out here to ask me because I ain't got the faintest idea how many people's in America. <laughs> God gave a testimony one day concerning Jesus Christ. And that testimony came at Jesus Christ baptism. It came at his baptism. And this is one time in scripture where God actually gave a verbal, verbal testimony. Matthew 17 quotes it, and behold, a voice out of heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, a lot of people use that for doctrinal position. I don't. I'm just telling you that when God speaks, I know it's the truth. When God talks, it's all right to say amen. amen. When God says something, it's all right to say so be it. Because God cannot lie. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that. And so when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, I believe he said it right. Amen. Now we have a choice to make. We either believe God's testimony or we don't believe God's testimony. John gives an argument in 1 John chapter 5. He gives an argument of lesser truth to the greater truth. And this is what he says. If we receive the testimony of man, of men, 
The testimony of God is greater. If we receive a man's testimony, the testimony of God is greater. Say God's greater than the testimony of man. We go to a drugstore and pick up a pharmaceutical prescription. We really don't know what the medicine that we're going to take home is the medicine that we need. But I don't demand for a pharmacist to open up the pill box and break down the medicine, tell me all the chemical compounds, and prove to me that I'm getting what I'm paying for. And when I get on an airplane, I don't demand to see the pilot. I don't have to examine his credentials. I don't ask to see his logbook or let, or let me know how many hours he's flown. I just take the testimony of the airlines that the pilot is qualified to fly that plane. And John's simple statement is this. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the testimony that comes from Almighty God. Amen. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. And this, this coat's kind of bothering me. Somebody help me here. I'm going to flex for you. Amen. I want to tell you something I know about God. He wants everyone to be saved. Ah, you didn't get that. He wants everybody to be saved. God is not your enemy. He is the best friend you've ever had in your whole life. Second Peter says it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any. Everybody say any. Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I declare to you, and I preach it here, and I don't care if you, if you don't even like it. Hell is a hard place to go to when you got God on your side. And when his will is for you to be saved. I came out of a fellowship that made hell easy to go to and heaven hard to get to. But then I started reading this book. And I started understanding that God's grace is amazing. And his love for us is overwhelming. And his gift of righteousness to us is, is, is powerful. And he wants us to be with him someday. He don't want us to go to the place where Lucifer is and all the angels kicked out of heaven. He wants us to be with him in heaven someday. God is on our side. In fact, Jesus tells a parable in Luke 15. I know I'm over preaching because I'm so wild because I hadn't preached in a month. He said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder. He don't just pick it up by his neck and just drag it through. He puts it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. Not your sheep, but my sheep. I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner. Everybody say one sinner that repents. More than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I think it's time for this church to get excited about people turning their lives around again. I think it's time when you see somebody walk in that you know is just a slap dab sinner. And he's so and she's so lost they don't know what direction they're going. And when they walk down here and lift their hands and say, I, I, I want to be saved, Lord. I want you to come into my life. If heaven has a recess, can you imagine over 7 billion people on this earth and God says, time out, angels. We got to rejoice because there's somebody repenting down there right now. 
I think if heaven can read, oh, hallelujah. I think if heaven can rejoice over one that repents, we ought to get happy over people that are repenting and people are repenting in this church all the time. Amos said it this way. Amos said, as the shepherd takes out of the mouth of the lion two legs or the piece of an ear, what he was talking about is that lion has eaten all of that lamb, but there's two legs left and maybe a piece of an ear, and that, that shepherd will take it out. He'll rescue that. So shall the children of Israel been taken out of the dwell, those that dwell in Samaria in the corner of the bed. In other words, you don't even have a place to sleep. You're just in a corner somewhere and in Damascus in a couch. I'm declaring to you that God Almighty wants you saved so bad that he'll come and wrestle with that lion, that roaring lion that has chewed you up and say, I'm gonna pull out two legs and a piece of an ear and knowing my creative power, I can put that life back together and get them on the road and rejoicing because he wants you saved that bad. Can you receive the testimony of God in your life? God wants you saved. God wants you saved. Ezekiel 16, I love this. He said, when I pass by you, and I saw you polluted. I saw you trying to take your own life and your own blood was there and you was polluted. I said unto you, when you were in your own blood, live. Yes. And he says it again. I said unto you, when you were in your blood, live. 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 Don't die without Jesus. Live. 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 Woo. Live. Everybody say, he wants me saved. His will is to save you. The second thing I know is that Jesus came and built a church for us. Because <laughs> you need a place together where people of like precious faith can pray with you and where midwives can deliver babies in this house and where doctors can take care of you that are sick and are hurting. And so Jesus came and built a church in Matthew 16. Jesus came to his region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say John Baptist and some say Elijah and some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. He called him Simon Barjona, but in the very next verse he said you are Peter. He changed him right there. Can I tell you that God can give you a word that can change you from a reed to a rock. God can give you something in your spirit that can say, I've got this thing. I, I was as weak as a reed. I was stumbling. I was bumbling. I was walking crazy. But in one sentence, on one Wednesday night at a church in Austin, Texas, I became a rock for Jesus Christ. He turned my life around. I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what rock? The revelation of who I am. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God. God, that's the word. Can you accept the word of Almighty God? And he said, whatever 
you bind on earth. I'm going to give you the keys. I want to, I'm, going to, I'm going to bound them in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Can I tell you something right now? I just feel like ministering in the Holy Ghost right now. Can I tell you, if you need to be loosed of something, in Jesus' name, be loosed of it right now. Right now. Right now. If you need to bind something in your life, I say bind it in Jesus' name. We are in the loosing and binding spirit in this church because God has given us the authority. He said, I'll give you the authority. I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom and I'm gonna declare that there's some things that need to be loosed from your life and some things that need to be bound against all the things that are trying to bring you down. In Jesus' name, loose it tonight and bind it tonight because Jesus gave us that promise. Come on, clap your hands real big and get excited about that. The Bible said in Acts 20, take heed to yourself, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Not only did Jesus build this church, he purchased it with his own blood. He didn't buy it with silver and gold. You were not purchased with silver and gold, but you were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave himself a ransom He put his blood on his word and it works today. Amen. Amen. And then the third thing I know that I can tell you, he filled this church with his Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit's in the house here tonight? Can I tell you the Holy Spirit's in this house tonight? He understood that the letter by itself would kill, but the Spirit would make alive. I find it interesting that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine in John 2 to make people happy at a wedding. And his first act when he established his church was filling 120 with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter two. One wine brings temporary joy. The other wine that they thought they were drunk on brings eternal joy. I don't know about you, but I like the eternal joy a whole lot more than temporary joy. That's why he said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, come on, be filled with the Holy Ghost, amen. Let's get full of the Holy Ghost in this church. Let's get full of the Holy Ghost in this church. Come on, let's get full of the Holy Ghost in this church. Open your life and say, fill me with the Holy Ghost in this house. I want to be full of the Spirit. In Acts 8, the whole city was baptized. Samaria was baptized. In Acts 10, a Gentile house was baptized, Cornelius' house. And in Acts 19, God brought some believers back around to it who were disciples of John that had not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And they were baptized by Paul and filled with the Spirit. This is the Holy Ghost hour. The Holy Spirit hour is now and he wants, the Holy Spirit, he wants to liberate your heart and your minds. See, God created us. Jesus redeemed us. But the Holy Spirit emancipates us. And I I feel a freedom in this house right now. And I want to declare to you right now that God has made a way in a wilderness. He's made a way where there seemed to be no way. And he provided for you a way out of this world. And he wants you to catch a hold of this. You don't have to have a thought about if you're saved or not. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that you're plugged into deity and you're going home with Jesus when he comes back to get us. Come on, you ought to rejoice over that right now. You ought to rejoice over that right now. So I'm going to give you five things right quick. I'm going to give you five things and then I'm going to let you go. Five things that let you know you're plugged into the spirit. 
Five things. You need to write these down. This is the good stuff now. This is the good stuff. Who, who sung that song? That's the good stuff. It's the good stuff right here. You ready for it? I've been preaching. Now I'm going to teach a little bit, so get ready. Get your pens out. The way you know you're plugged into the Spirit is you desire in your heart the things of God. What God loves, you love. What God hates, you hate. Amen? You can't, you can't get cross with His love and His hate because God hates sin, but He loves the sinner. Amen? And God loves His church. Hebrews 10, 25 said, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approach. In other words, I put a church here for you. Show up at it. And y'all have. But I want this church to be so full we're setting them on the stairs on Wednesday night. I want this church so full we have to put out extra chairs like we do when we have singings in this house. I want us to have a love for the Word of God so much that we'll come and say, Pastor, you can preach till midnight. I won't, but you'll say that. (laughs) Because you want to hear the Word of God more than you want food itself. Amen? There's nothing like that. And then 1 John 3 says, We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. If you're going to come to this church, you might as well fall in love with everybody in this church. You don't need to be sitting over here and say, I wish they didn't come here. This place would be a whole lot better. Don't look, honey. Don't look. They're looking at us right now. Don't look. They're looking at us. Now you can look. Look now, honey. Look now. No, 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 no. They're looking now. They're looking. looking. I can't stand that. Do you know we're all on the same team? I have met the enemy and he is not us. Look at your neighbor. It might be your wife and say, you're not my enemy. Come on, tell somebody, you're not my enemy. We all have been baptized by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, we're not enemies in this house. Will you let me preach a little bit? Come on, you're my brother, you're my sister. Let's go somewhere together. Let's have revival in this house. Let's believe that all things are possible. God wants us to have the Lord in this house right here all the time. You belong to the fellowship of God's redeemed people. Somebody give me some water. I'm running out of voice. One of the signs, is that yours? That wasn't even an attempt at being funny. That was just a true statement. One of the signs of a regenerated spirit and heart is I want to be with God's people. See, you're just made that way. You're turned that way. You're born that way. I'd rather go to church than anything else in the world. I've been that way since I was a little boy and found the Lord. And I was filled with the Spirit when I was just a boy. I love being here. You never have to drive me or coerce me to go to the house of God. I love to be with God's people. I love to be here with you. I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world. And that's the sign of a regenerated heart. I'm going to get fixed here in just a minute. But pastor, there it is. But pastor, you don't understand. Fill me up. 
But pastor, you don't understand. I can worship God on a creek bank just as well as I can in church. I can worship God with a rod and reel in my hand fishing under the blue sky just as well as I can in church. That's a satanic deception and it's an out and out lie. You can't do it. You can't do it. You need the fellowship of the house of God. You need the brethren. And the way you know that the spirit of God is working in your life is you want to be in this house when the doors are open, when the singing starts. You're not going to be late. You're going to be in the house of God on time. Come on. That's how you know that you know that you're in a saved posture. The second way you know that you're living in a saved posture. No more on my head. The second way you know is by living a life of integrity and honesty. Could I sum it up in one word? Morality. You're going to be moral. You know what holiness is, true holiness? It's it's pureness of the heart. It's being right on the inside. It's not how you look. It's how you are. That's holiness. That's holiness. 2 Timothy 2 says, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or depart from sin. It would be unthinkable. And when I say it, it becomes unthinkable to you too. It would be unthinkable that a man who's regenerated and born again and still loves to frequent bars until they close at 2 in the morning. I'm sorry, I got to teach. And he'd drive along and find a girl on the side of the road just to pick her up. People have, who have repented, been baptized, and filled with the Spirit are just not way. They're just not. I was preaching several years ago in another state. <clears throat> and after service, I was taken to a restaurant. I'm not trying to tell on anybody. It's been a long time ago, back in the 80s. And I was a young man then. And I was taken to a restaurant slash bar. They, they, just, they all go together, you know, now. And the waitress did not have, the waitresses didn't have not nearly enough clothes on. And it wasn't Hooters. <clears throat> But I was taken there by district officials, and they all said, it's the best food in town, and we always go here to witness. (laughs) I heard some ogles, but I never heard any witness. And I prayed to God that if he would get me out of there, I would just always ask people I was speaking for, that I felt like might have that kind of spirit to take me by Taco Bell or McDonald's and deliver me to my room because I didn't want that in my life. I'm not a goody two-shoes, but I believe in moral integrity. And I'd like to tell this congregation that for 29 years I've pastored this church, I've never flirted with your wives, and I've never had any kind of immoral activity in my life. And I will leave this world saying that because God's going to help me do that as long as I live. Because I'm here for him. I'm not here for me. This is not my program. This is his program. And I'm glad he lets me in on it. Are you happy? Are you glad? I'm telling you, you look at yourself and say, I'm going to be a moral person. I'm going to be clean. Come on. I'm going to be right. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to start. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right. And I know single people have a hard time because you want to be married. You want to do this. You want to do that. And I understand that. But I'm going to tell you something. Get your life right. Start living right in the kingdom of God and God will pop up some old boy somewhere and say, hey, hey, hey. And I'll get to marry you and you go and just have all the honeymoon you want. I'm telling you, God wants you to do the will of God in his kingdom because he wants you to be saved. Come on. It's time to live with integrity in our life. I lost my briefcase one time in Flint, Michigan. This is so neat, a neat story. 
And when I got to Detroit, I had left my briefcase in the gate area in Flint, and I flew to Detroit. Then I was flying back home from Detroit. Flint was just a suburb out of Detroit, a little place to hop to. And I realized I had left it. I didn't even realize it until I, I got to Detroit. I was just so messed up with trying to get home. And I went to the desk of the, of the airline, and I got help to call the Flint Airport and the gate that I had left from, and my, name, my, my bag had a name on it. And the attendant there had already taken matters in her hands. She had sent my bag. This was pre-9-11. She had sent the bag on the next plane to Detroit. And she had gave it to the stewardesses, the flight attendants, and they gave it to a runner. And she said, I opened your bag. She talked to me. She said, I opened your bag, Reverend, and I realized you were a minister. I wonder what people would find if they opened some of our bags. I'm so glad mine looked like a preacher. Come on, God sees that. And she said, I love preachers. I love Jesus. I love church. Do you believe God let a little Christian girl find my bag and send it to Detroit and I got to take it home? That's what it is to be saved, to be a Christian. We're not thieves. We've been born again. A new, a, we're a new somebody in Christ. Clap your hands and say, that's what a spirit-filled life is about. I'm on number three. The third thing that you'll have in your life when the Spirit controls your life, you'll find in your heart a desire to witness and to speak of the joy and to say something about it. You just will. You just will. When the gathering demoniac was healed by the Lord in Mark chapter 5, the Lord told him, you go back and tell the people to whom you belong what God has done for you. And he went back and published throughout Decapolis, the Bible said, in the whole vast country. And on the other side, on the east side of Jordan River, he published, one writer said it was probably a 200-mile radius. He went everywhere telling, on foot, telling what Jesus had done for him. I think witness is impossible to hide in a Holy Spirit-filled child's life. I don't think you can hide it. There'll be something in you that just cries out and says something good about Jesus everywhere you go. You know, witnessing is not saying, here, I got a card. You need to come to my church. Witnessing is walking in with the joy of the Lord in your life. Witnessing is sitting down and telling that waitress, I'm going to be your best person that you're going to wait on today. And witnessing is when you leave, leaving something besides a $2 tip on a $35 meal. Witnessing is showing the right thing in the right spirit. And I believe with all my heart that if it says 15%, we ought to do 20 if it says 18%, we ought to do 23. We ought to do more and above what everybody else is doing because we're not everybody else. You hear me? We're children of God, and I'm not trying to break you. I wish some of you would get 10% in your heart and start giving to Jesus on Sunday with your tithe. The Bible said they were in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach the Lord Jesus. And they were called Christians first at Antioch. They wasn't called doctors. They wasn't called, they wasn't called bankers. They wasn't called physicians. They wasn't called those kind of things. They were called Christians first in Antioch. The first thing they were called was Christian. That man's a Christian. Well, what does he do? Well, he's a lawyer, but he's a Christian lawyer. Well, what does he do? He's a physician, but he's a Christian physician. Well, what does he do? He works for the, for the IRS, but he's a Christian IRS. We need to be called Christians first in this house. 
We need to have a Christian concept. Can I preach to somebody? The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereinto I've called them. Barnabas was a son of consolation. We need people that can console people because we are spirit-filled in our life and we have a spirit-filled body and we're gonna represent Jesus right in our life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. That's the way God's Spirit works in us. And the fourth thing I share, if you're led by the Spirit because of the kind of home you will have and the kind of life you will live in it. The Bible said in Ephesians, in the love and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that's the kind of Christian home we need. There's an altogether different kind of world in the world of a worldly home and a devout Christian home. My family was not saved people. My mom and dad were, but my family wasn't. And they were mean. They were mean as junkyard dogs, my family was. And when you walked in the house, you could just feel the difference. In a worldly home, there's just a different atmosphere. And things are out, and they don't even care to put them away. Things are out, and just, just ugly stuff. Sex magazines here, and alcohol here. And it doesn't matter. Ashtray full of cigarettes, and they know that you're a Christian, and you walk in, and, and it doesn't matter. There's a frown, there's a snarl where a smile ought to be, and you have a curse and an oath where a prayer ought to be. And it's a different world, a different world. But in a Christian home, it's a home where the Spirit of God dwells. Let me tell you something. When you come to church, we have a good spirit in this house. You ought to take that spirit home to your house. Your home ought to be a little bit of CLC. You ought to go to your house, and you ought to clap your hands, and you ought to praise the Lord. I got up the other day. I got up the other day. And I went to the computer, you know, and you turn the computer on and, and that AOL news, you know, they got 72 headlines and I go through about three or four of them and I get sick of it because it's just tearing down everybody. Everybody gets torn down. Why don't we go to our homes at night and start building our family up? Why don't we go home tonight and say, wife, you're the best thing ever happened to me. Well, honey, my Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And why don't you tell your husband, honey, I thank you for working for our family and providing for our family. Why don't we take a little bit of CLC home? Why don't we take a little bit of heaven home here tonight and let the people know in our home, let our kids know that there's joy in this house. Come on, there's joy in this house. And if you're a single parent, come on, go home with hope in your heart tonight. Go home with joy in your heart tonight because God is for all of us. He wants you to have his kingdom in your life. And his kingdom is a kingdom of joy and a kingdom of peace. I love our home. All the girls are gone now. We hate that. We're empty nests. We love that. But I love peace. Brother Billy Cole came and preached for us several years ago, and I'm almost through. Please forgive me. I've, I've, I've gone a little bit over. But Brother Billy Cole came and preached for us several years ago and was in the old building, the little A-frame here next door. He didn't want to stay in a hotel. He said there's too many spirits. He was very sensitive, and God used him in the gifts, and he was very sensitive. He came into our house, and he stopped at the door of our home. And he just started crying. I said, oh, God, we've messed up. <laughs> he don't want to stay here. And he said, I could sleep right here in the doorway of this house because the peace of God. 
You can have that kind of home. You can have that kind of home. God wants you to have that kind of home. He don't want you to have a home of fighting and turmoil and trouble and hellion. He don't want you to have that. He wants you to have the peace of God that passes understanding. He wants you to have the joy of the Lord that is your strength. He wants husbands and wives to love one another. He wants your children to be like little lambs on a hillside and be happy and run and go and eat and be happy and say mom and dad and say the blessing and be blessed by a family. He wants your family to have peace. That's what spirit-filled life is all about. Amen. And the last thing, and I close tonight. The fifth thing spirit-filled living will give you is you will love his appearing. You're going to love the fact that he's coming back one day. Help me, Annie. Help me, Annie. I told Ann what I was going to say. Oh, help me. Help me. Brother Randy, thank you. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is later for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but watch this, but to all them that love is appearing. Anybody hungry for Jesus to come home? Aren't you a little politic tired? Aren't you a little tired of the nastiness of this world? Wouldn't it be good to just go home and be with the Lord and have a whole lot of heaven? Somebody said, well, Pastor, we're going to miss a lot down here. You ain't going to miss nothing down here. When you get home, you'll never want to come back. This earth is not my home. We're just passing through. See, a Christian's always optimistic. Everybody say, we're going to win. We're not going to lose. Death is but a release. It's an open door. Now, I'm not avowing that Christians doesn't get discouraged, don't get discouraged. I've been there. I'm not avowing that Christian is never down, never disappointed, never depressed. As a spiritual song says, sometimes I get so low I can't hear nobody pray. I've had moments of discouragement, disappointment, but I don't think I've ever been in despair in my life. Never. But I can tell you this. I can never doubt. I never doubt who's going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. We can't fail. We can't lose. God's on his throne. Revelation 3.21. Isaiah 42 said, He will never fail nor be discouraged. God will never fail us nor even be discouraged about us. It's just wonderful to be a Christian. It just is. And whether we live or whether we die, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we're sick or whether we're well, whether we're there or whether we're here, we belong to God. Bless the Lord. Say it with me. Bless the Lord. Say forever. Going to be in heaven with you. Going to love Jesus. Going to see him face to face. Everything wonderful. Loving his appearance. These are the things that make us Christian. Now I wrote something here for you. I want you to write, look at it. And you might want to write it down. Don't ever define yourself by what you have and what you use. But define yourself by who you are and the kind of person you will become.